Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. We will begin this time of worship now. Let's uh, draw near to God now in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this this day. We thank you once more uh, that we have your word, that we are able to, to open and read and sing and study and meditate upon. We thank you that you are the God who speaks. You're the God who reveals yourself to us. Uh, we praise you for your creation, which reflects something of your, your majestic power. We praise you, Lord, for uh, your word. We thank you that we have it in a, a language that we can understand. We thank you that it's a, a book that we can get our hands on easily. And we thank you that we have the freedom in this place to be able to, to worship you, to open your word and to study it. And we thank you, Lord, for your house. We thank you that we're able to, to say with the psalmist how lovely is your dwelling place. And we thank you that truly this this is your dwelling place, not because of the architecture or because of the, the, the bricks and mortar of the structure. But we thank you that you've, you've said to us that where two or three meet together in the name of Jesus, that you will be with us. We thank you that as we seek to draw near to you, that you will draw near to us. We thank you that as we seek to return to you, if we are those uh, who have wandered because we confess that we are prone to wander. We thank you that you will receive us back, that you will return to us. So we pray, Lord, for your blessing. We pray for that sense of your presence as we come together as your people. We ask that we would know uh, something of what the, the psalmist wrote of the, the loveliness, the sense of the, the love of God uh, upon us and within us and shared uh, amongst us. We pray, Lord, that we would uh, know the, the, the refreshing uh, of your your gracious touch touch upon our lives. And we thank you for that grace. We thank you that it's by grace that we're saved. It's not by works. It's not what we do. It's not what we refrain from doing. But uh, the work of salvation is done. We thank you that Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. And the veil of the temple, which kept people at a distance from the holy place of God. We thank you that that was rent from top to bottom. And the way into your presence, Lord, that now is clear, opened in and through the precious blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. We thank you that that grace is what saves us. It's what takes our sin away. And we thank you that it's grace that, that sustains us as well. As we, as your people, seek to follow you. We cannot do that in our own strength. We cannot do that depending on our own gifts. But it's all dependent on the grace that we receive day by day as we come to you. So grant to us that grace, we pray. Cleanse us from the sin that may weigh heavy upon us as we confess it in the silence of our own hearts. We pray that you would forgive us and give us that assurance of your pardon. That we may know that sense of being at peace in your presence. And grant to us also, we pray, uh, that sense of awe and reverence, that we are in the presence not just of each other, but we are in the presence of the living God, the God of heaven and earth. We pray, Lord, that we would have that, that fear of the Lord, that, that reverence, that awe within our own hearts. And we pray uh, for that fear of God uh, to be with us as a nation. We are conscious that at times in the past, we were known as a nation that feared the Lord, that opened and valued the, the Bible. And now we are far from you. We ask that you would draw us back. We think of all that we saw on the television yesterday. Uh, we pray for those in authority over us. We pray for King Charles. We thank you for the witness that was left to him uh, from his mother. And we ask, Lord, that all that was read in, in your word yesterday, all that was spoken, 
uh, in terms of the things of God would have an impression upon him and in turn upon us. We know, Lord, that it's possible, your word warns us, that it's possible to have a, a form of godliness with no power. And we pray that that would not be a description uh, of our nation. Grant to us repentance, we pray. And we ask, Lord, that you would enable those who are in authority to look once more to you. And we pray that we, each one of us in our own hearts, would look in faith to Jesus and know that salvation that is freely offered in him. We pray for countries where uh, there is no freedom to, to worship in the way that we do here in this land. We think of uh, places where there is trouble. We pray for Ukraine. We thank you, Lord, for all that we heard last Sunday evening. That even in the midst of warfare and turmoil, you are working in a, a powerful way. And we ask, Lord, for your, your blessing to be upon that nation. We pray that the, the, the message of, of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, would continue to spread quickly through that land. And we pray that peace uh, may be enjoyed in terms of the end of war in the weeks or months ahead. Uh, we pray, Lord, for those who are brothers and sisters in Christ, who are persecuted. We think of uh, the land of Somalia as we prayed with the, the young ones on Wednesday evening for it, uh, one of many places where your people are persecuted. And we ask, Lord, that you would protect them, that you would encourage them, that, Lord Jesus, you would build your church, even in these places where the ground is hard. And we pray, Lord, for uh, our community. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would be with those who are struggling just now. We've sang in the psalm about how you were with us in, in Baker's Vale, in places where it's difficult. And we pray for those who are struggling just now, for those who are ill, who battle with pain, whether in hospital or in their own home, or in Harris House or in Leverborough, home of rest. We ask that you would draw near to them. We pray for those who continue to grieve, asking, Lord, for your comfort. We pray for those who battle with addictions, as we do week by week, praying that you would break the power of addiction that, that is over at so many, that they may find freedom in Christ. And we pray, Lord, for those who are, who are anxious at this time. We think especially of our young folks, the, the school pupils, the students here and uh, on the mainland who are studying for exams. We ask that uh, in this uh, few weeks that is high pressure, that you would, that you would enable them to rest in you, uh, to fret not, uh, but to trust you. So hear our prayers, meet us at the point of our need, and guide us and lead us as we seek to worship you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So let's pray and ask God to work in us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your work in our hearts. We thank you, Father, that you sent your Son, Jesus, into this world. We thank you that as we believe in him and as we ask him to take our sin away, he does that. He saves us. And we thank you that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're working on us all through our lives if we are Christians to make us more like Jesus, to take away some of the, the rotten bits, a bit like our roof, with the rotten bits have to be stripped away. We know that there are sins in us that we keep going back to. Uh, we can be selfish, we can uh, be impatient, and we know that all that's got to be taken away. And we ask, Lord, that you would work in us to take all that away, that we would be made more like Jesus. We pray for anybody here today who, who might not have asked Jesus to come into their lives yet. We thank you that to become a Christian is just a prayer away. And even now, if we say in our hearts, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Please take my sin away and please be my Lord. We thank you that that's a prayer uh, that will save us forever. So we ask, Lord, that you would work in us, that you would save us, that you would shape us to be more like Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We'll turn in our Bibles to... 1 Peter chapter 3, and we've come to that passage that we've seen on the horizon for the last few weeks, 
and uh, uh, we uh, turn to God's word today as he speaks to us through Peter about our, about our marriages. So 1 Peter chapter 3 and at verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold, jewellery and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. If you could turn now in your Bibles, please, to First Peter chapter 3. I was thinking yesterday as I was watching the, the coronation... Um, that one of the first jobs King Charles will have is to send a telegram to Donald Morrison, Scott Road. Um, he's 100 tomorrow, uh, so uh, we give thanks uh, for that and we can be praying for him. He's uh, still sharp, he's still alert, he's, he's failing with the, the years, but uh, he's uh, looking forward to receiving his telegram. And if it's not there tomorrow morning, questions will be asked. <laughs> Let's just pray as we turn back to, to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We pray for your help, the help of the Holy Spirit as we seek to study this passage. We we need wisdom. We need you, Lord, to illuminate our minds, to stir our hearts, to open our ears, to strip away even prejudices and things that can uh, distort our understanding. So we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be open uh, to the work of your Spirit uh, in our lives. Uh, Work on us, we pray in our own hearts, in our marriages, in our congregation, Lord, and uh, make us, we pray, more like Jesus. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you, Lord, that as we have prayed for those who are going through hard times, you you help them. We thank you also that you are with those who have celebrations, and uh, we thank you for Donald. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would bless him as he approaches his 100th birthday tomorrow. Uh, We ask, Lord, that he would know your presence with him. Uh, We pray that you would be near to Mary as well, as uh, she is alongside him there in Harris House. Thank you for them, Lord, for uh, their lives, for uh, their witness, uh, for so much that we see that uh, is admirable in them. And we pray for your blessing uh, upon them as a couple, and upon Donald in particular, as uh, some of us go to Harris House tomorrow to to open your word and to pray as, uh, as his wish. Uh, so bless him, we pray. We pray also for those who look forward to, to marriages this week. We think of Rebecca as she prepares to be married 
uh, this coming weekend. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, bless her and uh, that you would be with uh, all those who will attend, be with the family here and uh, all those uh, who will attend that service. We pray uh, for that marriage in advance, uh, that uh, Jesus would be lifted up within it. Uh, So hear our prayers. Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us at some point have uh, been invited to go to uh, some big event. We saw a huge event on the the television yesterday in in the coronation. None of us were at the coronation, but we've been, I imagine, at some point in our lives at at a big event, whether it's a a sporting event uh, or a a concert. And uh, we know when we we attend these kind of things, you you buy the ticket. There's different levels of tickets you can buy. And uh, you're allocated a seat or or a place that you can stand, and uh, that's where you have to stay. But then you see some people at at these kind of events, and they they have passes, whether it's around their neck or across their, uh, their, their waist, and their access all area passes. They can go wherever they want. Or even if you think about um, a hotel, uh, you, you book a hotel, you go to a hotel, you're given one of these key cards nowadays, and uh, uh, you can use your card to, to access your room. Uh, you could use your card uh, to maybe access a gym or the dining area. Uh, but you can't take this card and go wandering into somebody else's room or into the staff uh, kitchen or, or anything like that. You're, you, you're, you're only able to go into certain areas. Only the owner has access to all areas of uh, the hotel. Now, we're reading a letter here uh, that uh, God has inspired Peter to write to Christians in uh, various places, uh, the area that we now know as, as Turkey. And as God speaks through, through Peter, Peter is crossing boundaries and he's, he's venturing into all areas uh, of our lives. And that's part of the deal if we're Christians. If we ask Jesus to come into our lives, uh, yes, we ask him to come into our lives to be our saviour and to take our sin away. But the deal is also that he comes as Lord. So there's both. We can ask for a saviour and resist the Lord. He comes as saviour and he comes as Lord. He comes to be the one who has uh, the reign, the rule. He is king over all areas uh, of our lives. And so God, as he speaks through Peter, uh, he speaks to us uh, about how we should be good citizens. And if you glance back to First Peter chapter 2, uh, we can see in verses 13 to 17, Peter uh, addresses us and he, he says that we should be good citizens, those who submit to the authority that's over us, recognizing that God is the ultimate authority. And Peter then, uh, he tells us about how we should be good employees. And that's verses 18 to 25 of uh, chapter 2. Uh, he addresses our behavior uh, within the workplace. And now God, through Peter, he speaks to us about our homes and about our, our marriages. And we see that in, in verses uh, 1 to 7 of First uh, Peter chapter 3. And then, not next week, but in two weeks' time, God willing, uh, we'll go to the next section. And God, through Peter, he speaks to us about our church family. So he looks in the door of this place. And he addresses uh, the relationships that we have with each other uh, in, the, in the church family and what they should look like. But today, I want to look at verses uh, 1 to, to 7 as uh, through Peter, the Lord speaks to us about, about our marriages. And Peter uh, was a married man. Uh, when we think about one of the first, one of the early 
uh, miracles. Remember, it was Peter's mother-in-law uh, who was brought back to health through the touch of Jesus. So if Peter had a mother-in-law, he also had a wife. And uh, some of the commentators say that his wife travelled with them. I never checked the text to see uh, where that uh, was actually written down in the Bible, so you can, you can check that one out yourself. But I imagine knowing Peter and uh, what we know of his personality through the Gospels, I imagine Peter wasn't always the easiest guy to live with. Because he's very impulsive, and he's very direct, sometimes blunt. He's very uh, strong-minded, he's very, he's very driven. And so Peter, as he writes about, as he writes about marriage, uh, he, he's not writing about something that he has no experience of. Uh, he's writing from experience, uh, and he's writing from experience uh, taking in uh, what Jesus has taught him and what the Holy Spirit is speaking through him. So really what we're doing this morning, I suppose, is we're taking the marriage course uh, as, as drafted by, by Peter. Um, but if you're not married here this morning, don't, don't worry. It's not as if you can switch off and, and sleep for the next uh, 30 minutes or 25 minutes. Um, this is a, a lesson that's helpful, uh, not just for those who are married. It's also helpful for those who are maybe going to get married soon or who hope to get married. It's also helpful for those who, who know people who are married because uh, we need to be prayed for in our marriages. So let's uh, work through the verses. And the first thing that we can say, the first point uh, to note is that this section that, that Peter writes is uh, intended to offer support for wives. So that's the first point. Uh, this is a, a section that is intended to offer support for wives. Sometimes when we watch a film or a documentary, um, if it touches on a, on a sensitive area uh, like anxiety or, or depression or addiction, uh, at the end of the programme, there'll be a, a message that flashes across the screen saying, uh, if you're affected by any of these issues, if you're struggling with uh, A, B or C, uh, please phone this number, please visit this website, and, and uh, you can find support. And Peter, in writing about marriage, uh, he begins verse 1 uh, by addressing uh, the wives. And it wouldn't have passed you by uh, to notice that, that Peter spends uh, six out of the seven verses addressing wives. So why is that? And uh, some uh, might say this, this seems unfair. Why is there six verses for wives and only one verse for husbands? Is Peter trying to be prescriptive? Is he trying uh, uh, to, be, to be a bit bullish here? Is he, is he seeking to be hard on the wives and, and let the husbands off easy? Well, no, he's not. Peter here, as God speaks to him, is offering support. Because if you go back and, and visit the, the places that Peter was writing to and look into the context there, it seems that it was much harder to be a wife than it was to be a husband back in that day and age and in that place. And so wives needed support and they needed guidance on how they could be good disciples of Jesus within marriage. And very often the marriages that Peter uh, was speaking into were marriages where the wife was a believer and the husband was not a believer. So there was difficulty. So in application, the first thing to note, just as we get into this section, is uh, that this is intended uh, to give support. It's not suppressive. This is intended to give uh, support. Uh, the, the teaching of the Bible 
It's not chauvinistic. I know the culture tries to tell us that it is. And if you never pick up a Bible, that's what you would believe. But this is not a a chauvinistic message. Uh, The teaching of the Bible was revolutionary at the time of writing because women in the Bible were given a place of honor that they didn't have in that culture. And Jesus, in the way that he he related to, to women in ministry, was unlike any other teacher that they'd ever known. So this teaching that comes from Jesus through Peter uh, to us, it was and it is intended uh, to be supportive, uh, not, not suppressive. And I think that needs to be said because of the culture uh, that we're living in. So this is support for wives as we, we, we begin to read. The second point that we can note here, and we can't shy away from this, is that Peter, uh, he, he calls for wives to be uh, submissive. Verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Now, this is a hard pill. I can sense it even in the room just now. This is a hard pill for some uh, people to, to swallow. And as I noted that down in my, my, my bit of paper, uh, my mind went back to when I was a wee boy. And uh, I remember being probably four or five years old, talking of pills. And my mother, I was quite a poor, thin little boy um, when I was sort of four years old. You'd hard... You'd struggle to believe that now from a waistline, but um, that's the way it was. And so my mother decided that uh, it would be a good idea for me to start taking cod liver oil tablets. These horrible little rubberized tablet things. And um, this was the new rule. Before I got breakfast, I was to take this tablet. And so day one, out came the bottle. It was the size of a a, a gas canister full of these pills. And... um, I, I took it in my fingers. I didn't like the smell. I didn't like how it felt. I didn't like how it looked. And so my mother, she was trying to put this thing down my throat and I wouldn't swallow it. No matter what she did, I just would not swallow it. It was too hard a pill to swallow. And for some, this, this text is a, is a bit uh, like a, a cod liver oil tablet on first glance. It's a hard text to swallow. Because the reality is that submission uh, to a husband is not always a joy, because husbands are sinners. And some husbands are big, ugly sinners that can be really hard to to live with, and everyone can see that. And some husbands can be quieter, uh, more sanctimonious sinners who look perfectly respectable outside of the house, but inside of the house are incredibly annoying. And going back to Peter's day, as I I noted, uh, many of the wives that Peter wrote to were, were married to unbelievers, And these unbelievers, they made the wives' lives difficult. They perhaps weren't happy with this this newfound faith in Christ that their their wives had. Uh, Maybe it annoyed them that their wives' language uh, had begun to change. Some of the things that their wives used to do, they wouldn't do anymore. Some of the places they used to be happy to go, they weren't happy to go anymore. Uh, And now they had this annoying habit of wanting to go and meet together with God's people in this thing called church, which wasn't always convenient. So there were clashes in the marriage back then because of what they would and wouldn't do. Just as there will be clashes uh, in marriages between believers and unbelievers, even in this room here today, for all the same reasons. Why do you have to go out to church on a Sunday night? Prayer meeting, what a pest. These clashes did happen, they still happen. So there was difficulty within uh, these marriages where there's a believing wife, unbelieving husband. Uh, But this is not just for them. This is also for for uh, wives who are married to believers because believers can be annoying too. You know, we all have scaffolding on. Uh, we're all still sinners, even if we're Christians. 
So submission in marriage can be a difficult thing, and we need to recognize that. And Peter is, is making that point clear. Uh, this text can be a hard pill to swallow. Now, going back to the Coddle of a Royal Tablet, I'll take you just a wee bit down the line. Uh, I'll take you from 8 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock in the morning. Three hours had passed, day one. Still hadn't had the tablet. My mother's trying to persuade me. She's trying to motivate me to, to swallow this, this tablet. And I can still remember being in the toy section of Woolies in Stornoway. And I had a Batman car in one hand, and I had the Cod Liver Oil thing in the other hand. And my mother was saying to me, all you have to do is swallow that, and I'll pay for this. So all you have to do is take the tablet. And I can remember at the back of my throat, I can remember sort of piercing the rubber with my teeth and the putrid, fishy oil coming out. And so to cut a long story short, there was weeping, there was gnashing of teeth in the aisle, um, but I didn't submit. And it was a dark day, even though my mother was trying to inspire me, persuade me to submit. For my own good, I wouldn't do it. And as Peter counsels these wives uh, to to submit, uh, he, he, he points them to Jesus. He, he, he directs them to Jesus. He says, in the same way, verse 1, that Jesus submitted, as he points them back to the, the previous sections, be submissive, he says. And we can imagine uh, some wives saying, but that's just not fair. You don't know how annoying he is. I shouldn't have to. And I think what we're told through this text is, uh, we'll speak to Peter, speak to Jesus about that, says Peter. Yes, sometimes it can seem unfair. Yes, sometimes it can seem unreasonable. Uh, but uh, if you want to speak to someone who understands what it's like to be in a position where you're treated unfairly, unreasonably, there's no one better than Jesus. He understands what that feels like. He can help you. He has been there time and time again. So the inspiration, the motivation to be submissive on the occasions that we don't want to be it is Jesus. Now, let me just say for uh, clarity, this is, there are sometimes when it is not right to be submissive. Sometimes in relationships there can be, there can be abuse, there can be behavior uh, which is wholly wrong. And uh, the call is not to be submissive and just stick in these destructive relationships. Uh, there is a time uh, to eject. But in the normal domestic clashes that we encounter when sinner lives with sinner, then the thing that we must keep on doing is looking to Jesus, speaking to Jesus, asking for that submissive spirit of Jesus to be, to be given to us. So Peter, he talks about support. He's given support for wives. He, he talks about submissive wives. And the next thing he says is uh, he talks about successful wives. So that's the third point, successful uh, wives. And uh, still in verse 1 into verse 2, Wives, in the same way be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over. They may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So Peter, he, he's, he's thinking about what success looks like within, within marriage. And uh, success uh, does not look like a high-earning job. Uh, he's not talking here about uh, some kind of uh, home environment that uh, has a thousand million likes on Instagram. He's, he's not using this world's markers when he's thinking about success. Uh, Peter, uh, when he is talking about success, he uses the term in verse 1, winning over. But he's not talking money, he's not talking career, he's not talking homemaking even. He's talking about being persuasive 
in drawing someone to Jesus. Peter is talking about being influential in a husband being led to Jesus. He's talking about a wife that wins over her husband for Jesus. That's success. And that's the priority that we often lose sight of. And it's not just one that's limited to to marriage. Yes, the application here is within marriage, but it goes far wider than that. Spurgeon wrote a a book called uh, The Soul Winner, and that's the calling of every Christian. We shouldn't ask Jesus to come into our lives, realize that we have forgiveness of sin, and, and sit our backsides in a chair with our feet up for the rest of our days. That's not our calling. We're called to be soul winners. We're to try and win people over for, for Jesus. So, so how does that work within marriage? Well, Peter gives advice on that. How, according to Peter, should a, a Christian wife seem, seek to, to, to win her husband over uh, for, for Jesus? That's the question. You know, should she buy a, a thousand tracts and leave one on a coffee table uh, everywhere in the house so that whatever the husband goes, he's, he's finding tracts that are pointing him to, to Jesus. Well, I don't think that's what's been taught here. Uh, should she be playing a high-volume Christian podcast out of every speaker in the house? No, that's not the application here either. Should she be preaching at her husband every day on every given opportunity? Is, is it about using the right words relentlessly? Well, no, says Peter. There will be some husbands, says Peter, uh, who do not believe the word. They determinedly do not believe the word. It's not that they haven't heard the word. It's not that they don't know the word. They just will not believe. But Peter says in verse 1, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And what kind of behavior should be seen? And Peter answers in in verse 2, well, there should be purity and uh, reverence. And these qualities shouldn't just be kind of the occasional flash across the life. But these qualities should be evident uh, over the long haul. There should be purity and uh, reverence, the, the fear of God, that sense of, of God's presence in the house, uh, overseeing everything uh, in life, that awareness of God with us. These are the things should, which should be uh, seen in the behavior within the marriage. And so there, there's helpful instruction here, and it's, it's for us all, and it relates to all of life, but especially to marriage. You know, I've, I've heard wives in the past saying, you know, I, I'm just done speaking to him about Jesus. I've tried. I've heard wives with, with tears in their eyes saying, I've spoken and I've spoken and I've spoken and I've tried to get him to believe. And the more I speak, the less he seems to hear. The more I, I try and persuade, the more determined he seems to get not to believe. And Peter's saying through these verses that that's very true. You know, sometimes when it comes to, to sharing faith, with those that we're closest to. It's best to spend much more time uh, talking to God about them than it is talking to them about God. And as we stay close to the Lord, and as we seek to live lives that are pure, lives that are lived uh, full of uh, that sense of, of reverence and awe of God, Peter is teaching uh, that will more likely bring spiritual success than your many words. So Peter here, he, he's giving uh, a lesson uh, to wives and how they can be spiritually successful. He speaks about submission. He, he's giving support. And the next thing he speaks about is uh, wives that shine. That's verses 3 to verse 6. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold, jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty 
of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, as we read these verses, are we, are we here reading about a ban that Peter imposes on uh, nice clothes and braided hair uh, and, and jewellery? Well, no, that's, that's not the point. What Peter is saying is that that kind of beauty, uh, which is on the outward, it, um, it's beauty, but it fades quickly. But there's an unfading beauty, verse 4, that comes from uh, your inner self. And that's where the, the shining comes from. So there's a tip, perhaps, for uh, some of the, the young men and women. Don't just go when you're considering uh, your partner for, for life. Don't just go for someone that you find physically attractive. Yes, that's necessary uh, for marriage, but there needs to be more than that. Because physical beauty fades. And if that's all the marriage is built on, it's not built on a very uh, steady, secure foundation. So what makes a wife uh, shine and keep on shining through the years? Well, the answer is godliness. The inner beauty comes from a close walk with God. It comes from putting our hope in, in God. And when I was reading through this, um, <coughs> my mind went to, to a couple of folks uh, who, towards the end of their lives... <coughs> Uh, were very, very frail physically, but there was a real beauty that came from, from deep within. I, I could think of Ina in hospital in these days when uh, her strength was fading, but there was a beauty that shined from within her. I can think of Marlene, who as she battled uh, at the end of life, as her strength faded, there was this shining. There was this beauty that, that, that came from within. And, and there are many examples that we can think of of that. There's an inner beauty that comes from having, verse 5, our, our hope in God. So putting our hope in God is the most beautiful thing. Uh, that's where the light comes from. That's where the, the shining comes from. And then Peter, as he teaches this, he gives us the example of, of Sarah in verse 6. And we've been studying Sarah in the evening, those who, who come out in the evenings. Uh, Sarah was Abraham's uh, wife. Uh, she wasn't perfect, we've seen that, but she was godly. And she was married to, to Abraham, who also was far from perfect, but he was godly. And so as Peter teaches this, I wonder what was going through his mind. Who was going through his mind when he was thinking about unfading beauty? Who is Peter thinking of when he writes about a gentle and quiet spirit in verse 4? Well, he's thinking about Jesus. That's where a constant, bright, shining beauty comes from. Remember what Jesus said about himself in, in Matthew chapter 11. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so Peter is, is saying, as he so often uh, did, come to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. He is the one who makes us shine. He is the one who can make our, our marriages beautiful. So shining wives, successful wives, submissive wives, support for wives. And my time has gone, but I cannot stop without addressing the husbands. And husbands are called to be considerate. I've just got the one verse of seven, and it's uh, verse seven. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. 
So what does a, a considerate husband look like? And I won't spend much time on this, so I'll give you the headings and we can talk about it later or you can go and study it yourselves. What does a, hus- what does a husband who is considerate look like? Well, uh, four things. First of all, four H's, just for your memory. First of all, he's at home with his wife. Be considerate, he says in verse 7, as you live with your wife. And that's a point that, that might be easy to miss. But there's an assumption here uh, that we will, we will live together. There's an intimacy, there's a, a physical intimacy there uh, that, that, is, that is assumed. Now, I know that sometimes it's necessary, as, as it was for Peter, uh, to go off on trips for a period and return. But considerate husbands will not always be absent. Considerate husbands are, are called to be with their wives. And that doesn't just mean that we're to be in the same house all the time. How often do we see in houses a husband in one chair, a wife on another chair, the husband's connected uh, to some world in this device, the wife is connected to some world, another device. They're not with each other. There's no connection between them, even though they're in the same house. But the, the husband uh, is called here uh, to be considerate to make that determined effort to be with his wife. The responsibility there lies with husbands. We are those who are to make the effort to keep that connection, uh, that there will be intimacy, uh, that there will be uh, that withness within the marriage. So live with your wives, uh, says Peter. The husband, uh, he's at home with his wife. It's the first thing uh, that a a considerate husband has to take on board. The second thing is uh, he he honours his wife. The NIV translated as uh, treat them with respect. Why it does that, I don't know. Because the word literally is honour. We're to honour our wives. You know, in the same way that we saw uh, the king being honoured yesterday, uh, we're to give that, that place of honour to our wives within marriage. And when we do that, when we pursue that as husbands, when we aim for that within a marriage, submission isn't a hard pill to swallow for the wife. When we honour our wives, submission uh, doesn't taste like a cod liver oil tablet. It's more like a Mars bar. Consider a husband, he's at home with his wife, he honours his wife. Thirdly, he helps his wife. Peter uh, says something very controversial here. He talks about the weaker partner. Uh, it's very countercultural. Uh, it's something that we could get parked up on for half an hour. I haven't got time uh, to dig into this. Uh, one note that's helpful in my Bible here is uh, this is not a reference, it says, to moral stamina or strength of character or mental capacity, but probably a reference just to sheer physical strength. I know that's not always the case, but generally speaking, Peter is saying uh, the husband will have greater physical strength. So the one with the stronger physical frame is to use that strength to help and not to hinder his wife. And that's what it looks like to be considerate. We're to help, not sit with our, our feet up, not be lazy, not expect her to do to everything, but, but to actually physically help. Considerate husband, he's at home with his wife, he honours his wife, he helps his wife. And the final thing here is that he remembers that he is an heir uh, with his wife. Commentator says it quicker than I can. His wife, the wife receives the same grace her husband does. She receives the same salvation her husband does. Husband and wife are heirs together of the gracious gift of life. Not one above the other, but equal. Both heirs of the grace and the life that comes through faith in Jesus. And that's what makes the difference as we finish. It's the grace and the life that flows from Jesus. That's what makes the difference. If you and I want to be good citizens, 
if we want to be the best employees and employers in the workplace, if we want to be considerate husbands, if we want to be wives as God has designed, if we want to be members of the congregation uh, who reflect something of the beauty of Christ in community, uh, we need the grace and the life that flows from Jesus. And today he offers it, but we have to accept it. Without that grace, without that life, we can't be saved. But with that grace, with that life, we are assured of salvation and we can expect transformation within our lives. But remember, for that, we have to give access all areas to the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We confess that we are challenged by it. We are convicted by it. And we pray that as you show us ourselves, uh, that you would help us to repent of the areas where we are sinful and to receive the grace and the life that flows from the Lord Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. And I may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen.